welcome to another episode with Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. I'm Sarah R., and today I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Anouk Burst. Am I pronouncing your name right? Yeah, Anouk Burst. 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 Um, and we were actually uh, office mates in St. Andrews for uh, three years, or yeah. two years that we overlapped. About two years. Yeah, in St. Andrews, and Anouk is a, a geologist studying... Uh, minerals and, and uh, rare earth metals. That's right. Uh, and yeah, what we wanted to talk about today was actually doing your first application for something. Um, and the anxiety that can come with that, the, the stress, how to get feedback. And I feel like we're kind of in, in academia just kind of thrown into these first applications. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'll let Anouk uh, start with kind of like the, the background to this story of how, how this confluence of events has brought us here today. Right. Okay, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, an internal, a deadline for an internal application for a lectureship uh, uh, to coordinate a master uh, module that I had been sort of involved in in the last uh, few years during my postdoc at St. Andrews. And a lot of colleagues here recommended me to apply for it. Yeah. Uh, but um, I thought I wasn't quite ready for it. And though I, I realized that on paper I am eligible to apply for this, I sort of like, made a big deal out of whether or not I should apply. And like, I know I should apply. Uh, but yeah, it was my first application for, for an internal mm -hmm. or for a lectureship in general. And then, see, so I, I, I put it off for quite a, a long time, and then two weeks before the deadline, I started uh, looking at my CV and writing the, or made a start with the, with the research statement and the cover letter. And I, I instantly got really nervous about it and, and just, uh, um, yeah, sort of completely blocked in the end. So... This was two weeks uh, where I was getting increasingly nervous and panicky about the, about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I just spent most of the time fiddling with my CV and just uh, yeah. trying to improve it, even though it was already done to yeah. start with. Yeah. Uh, and then your cover letter. And then it just the, the, the biggest fear I had was about not having enough ideas for the research statement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. It came to the point in the last few days up to the... Up to the uh, the deadline, I, I couldn't eat anymore, I wasn't sleeping, uh, I had a lot of help from friends trying to pull me through and offering to help uh, help me look at the, the cover letter and the research statement and see what I have and trying to help me find some sort of structure in it. But uh, the last last few days I just couldn't even, I couldn't even write a single sentence anymore, I was just mm. so panicky. And in the morning, before the deadline, I was ready to give up. I woke up at 6 a.m. thinking it's never going to work. I just I had basically produced five pages of loose paragraphs that I felt were just repeating the same thing over and over again. And then I uh, I sent an email to Sarah in the morning thinking, I need to get you need to get me through the day. I need to apply or send something in by the end of this day. I don't care how bad it is. I just need to get something yeah. submitted, and I have no idea what I've <laughs> what I'm doing. Right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I think I remember. I remember the the first email you sent was just like, "Do you have any mental 
yeah. healthcare strategies because yes. I'm in tears and yeah. I can't do this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then <laughs> ready to give up. Yeah. And then, and then I think what did, what happened? Did we Skype like shortly after? I was in a meeting, I think, and I got this very panicked email, and I was like, "Oh no, Anouk, <laughs> I'll be there, and like I'll be able to Skype in just a few minutes." And then we Skyped, and I was like, "Okay, what's the first?" The first priority is we need to get this application done today. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a, yeah. The hours are ticking. <laughs> and you're like, well, I think it's due midnight. <laughs> right? Was... So we're like, and it was 11 a.m. And then, um, thankfully, you know, I had more time that day. So <laughs> it, yeah, it worked thank out. God. <laughs> it worked out. But we were on Skype, I don't know, like five hours or something throughout yeah. the day yeah. um, working on this. And, uh, uh, a nuke uh, in the end successfully submitted an application that was ranked actually quite highly. I did, yeah. Was, uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. And, and I think just this story of um, applying for your first position that's outside of your comfort zone yeah. can be so stressful. Mm -hmm. And I think especially the first time any of us have to write a proposal with our own ideas. I think the I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, uh, never-ending loop plays, you yeah. know, as a repeat hit, you yeah. know, in your brain. And and how do you push through that? Because you feel like, oh, I don't have any original ideas, or I just got this idea because of this project I'm doing, or because of this conversation with someone else, or really it's yeah. so-and-so's idea. I relying on, on collaboration yeah. with this person, yeah. and it isn't really my idea. Mm -hmm. One of those thoughts I had, yeah, yeah. When I was writing this. And so that was, for you, the sticking point. For me, it was also the sticking point. I remember stressing for months before my first um, like fellowship application and faculty application because I thought, you know, I just don't have any ideas and the few ideas I have are because of very specific conversations, you know, or, mm -hmm. or you know, things I'm like, really, is it my idea? Is it their idea? I don't know. You know, this is, it just feels stressful. And then... Luckily, I had, and then I gave it to my, my advisors, but, and I've seen this quite a lot. A lot of the times, your current advisor doesn't really give a lot of feedback for these sorts of things, your proposals for future directions. So often, postdocs, I feel, are kind of, uh, or finishing grad students are left in the lurch of like, well, I don't even know if this is a good application. Can someone just tell me if it's shit or not, you know? And, and so that is also stressful because you can even write an application you can be like, is this even what they want? I don't even know. Like, what's the, yeah. how do you... What does a good yeah. research statement mm -hmm. look like? You, get, you do get a few examples and there are also very different styles yeah. from everyone. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, you just, I got, also got stuck in the examples that I was sent uh, yeah. from, from friends and, and colleagues. Right, yeah. And trying to follow that template somehow, yeah. but 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 I don't have any ideas of my own. I don't know, how, and even everything you write down, or every thought or idea you have, you think, oh, but I, I don't think I could do this. Mm -hmm. I'm promising too much mm -hmm. here. This mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. just not feasible. Yeah, and then you start a sentence and think, no, no, you scrap that. Right, right, and you you never get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is a very common experience. And I think um, one, so one thing you, two, there was two things you did that I think were good. One is you did ask me several weeks before this for my applications. Mm -hmm. So you had some kind of, um, you know, you had, you had done that. You had looked at other people's applications in addition to mine. 
um, for kind of examples. I think that can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other good thing you did was reach out for help when all was lost, <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> like we're, we're 11 a.m. on the day it's due and you're like, I, I am drowning, you know, basically yeah. at that time. And the application wasn't near being done and you were like, I don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. And in those <laughs> moments, I think a lot of us just kind of give up. You know? Yeah, basically I was in the shower at 2, uh, 2 a.m. before, the night before actually uh, reaching out to you. And I had, I had decided I was leaving academia. Mm. So I, That's I went where we to were. bed thinking, this is it. <laughs> this is... I, and then I'm I woke done. up at 6 a.m. in the morning thinking, no, I really need to submit something, otherwise yeah. this is going to haunt me forever. Right. Um, and then I emailed you, and thankfully <laughs> you, you had some time to help me out. Yeah. I mean, that was a confluence of events. I don't recommend to any of our <laughs> listeners to wait till the day something is due no. for this. But reaching no, out for help is important. <laughs> reaching out for help is important. When we know we're struggling, reaching out to like a close friend, you know, and confident, you know, confident that you can bear your, the worst of your academic soul to, mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful. And, and all of us have been there. You know, and we often, I think why, why Sarah Ballard and I have this podcast is to try to tell people you're not alone. Like we've, we've all had moments where we thought this is the end. I, I fooled people up till this point. It's over. The gig's up. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I don't have good enough ideas. I'm just going to quit now. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. I've had thoughts. uh, If I'm applying for this position, it would be better if someone else gets it. Yeah, I, I'm not worthy of this position. If, yeah. I, if I struggle this much, yeah, just applying for it, then yeah. how am I going to deal do with it? all those <laughs> yeah. responsibilities yeah. that come my way yeah. in a lectureship? And that's so common. I remember my first time applying for a faculty job. Uh, I was uh, texting a friend in astronomy uh, over GChat. And I, I was telling him, I'm like, because they had invited me to apply for this faculty job, so the university had invited me. And I was like, oh, I'm just not ready. Mm-hmm. You know, it was right after grad school. I'm like, I'm just not ready. And so I remember telling my friend, I'm like, you know, I'm just not ready, right? I'm just, I'm just not ready, you know? And um, then he uh, was away for 10 minutes, you know, just, just he had stepped away from his keyboard. And so I was panicking during those 10 minutes. I'm like, what is he trying to tell me gently? You know, that, that he's like, because we were previously chatting back and forth. And I'm like, oh, you think I, you, you just, you agree. What are you, what are you trying to tell me nicely, <laughs> you know? And then he said, he came back, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, I, I think, I think it's fine. You are ready. You're never going to feel ready, is what he said. Um, you know, and he named a famous professor in our field that he had talked to about this. And he said, this, this person, who we all respect immensely in the field, felt not ready for his faculty job. Right. And that really helps. He, and he was like, none of us feel ready. Yeah. Still apply. You know? And I think that kind of goes back to this message of like, we often, with the imposter syndrome, it can, it can cause you not to apply for things. Absolutely, yeah. To self-select out of the pool, to say, I'm not ready, I'm not good enough, and so you don't even bother I'm applying. I'm not going to try. Yeah. Just waste my time yeah. uh, writing this application. Yeah. While I could be working on my papers. Right. Yeah, because I always prioritize the prioritize those things because yeah, yeah. the rest just causes causes me anxiety. Right. So, 
Yeah. You don't apply for the jobs because you think, ah, oh, the deadline is coming up too soon. I, I don't, don't have time, time for this right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but in you, yeah. At the same time, you know you have to apply. You, yeah. say you have to start applying and. Yeah. Um, but doing it more often, hopefully, it will become easier. Yeah. That's what, but yeah. Well, I think there's three things there, right? One is as we were talking about today at lunch. Women, on average, will only apply for a job when they meet, like, 11 out of the 10 criteria. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and men typically apply when they meet only 6 of the 10. So just applying. You can't win the game unless you're in the game. You know, applying when you don't feel ready, I think, is important, especially for women. Um, the second thing, though, is that to apply early. I find this to be a, a difference between Europe and the U.S. Hmm. Um, I think in the in the U.S., at least in among my colleagues, everyone applies straight out of the gatehouse, pretty much. Um, you know, they're already they're applying for fellowships from grad school. They're applying for faculty from their first you know from their first postdoc, you know, at early, and that means that you kind of get over a couple cycles of having, you know, a less um, I don't know forces you to do that the full application earlier, and then you can go through a few rounds of. Um, Feedback and enemies. yeah, and improving it before you actually before you really need a position. Whereas I find in Europe actually most people don't apply at all until like six months before the end of their post. Yeah, until you really need that job. <laughs> yeah, and then that's so much more stressful, yeah. right? You know, versus you're already in a position, you have a couple of years, sending out an application to a few places that if it were to happen that you would get it, you would like that position. So you're not applying everywhere, but you're applying to a few key places. I think is is. Um, is like a really good strategy. But then the third thing you mentioned, which I think is also interesting, is we tend to procrastinate what causes us anxiety. Mm -hmm. This is independent of applications, it's just anything. Like, what causes me the most anxiety is by far what I procrastinate the most on. And I always have quote-unquote good reasons, <laughs> good reasons for procrastinating. I'm like, oh, I should do this other important thing. Yeah. But if I'm honest with myself, it's that I'm really anxious about this. I really think I'm going to fail and I don't want to do it and I don't even like want to open the word document to start doing it because it causes me anxiety you know yeah I totally recognize that uh I'd never really thought about it that way before until this event and we we started talking about this but uh yeah I, I mean it's one of the reasons I guess why I never why I still haven't put in any fellowship applications mm -hmm. because this is such a a big hurdle for me I thought I really yeah. Uh, stressful. Just thinking about it alone <laughs> gives me sweaty palms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so then, and so those all tie together is that we don't apply for things because we don't think we're worthy when we're not enough. Um, we don't apply for them as women because we feel like we don't meet the criteria even when we do. And, um, yeah. And then we often, uh, yeah, self-select ourselves out of the pool. We delay things until it's way too late because of the anxiety which then only spirals yeah. the anxiety and those messages of I'm not good enough or I'm never going to be able to handle this because I can't handle this simple thing. Yeah. And this can all run amok, you know. It all builds up. <laughs> it's difficult, right? It's difficult. It's all, and, and everyone goes through it. I feel like I was just so, you know, um, so what, ha what I feel might, and maybe Anouk, you can talk, what, the, the things that I felt that I could help with, in addition to like just kind of going through your application and saying, these are the points that we need to highlight. This is the structure yeah. that it needs to be in. I've moved some paragraphs around. I'm like, let's keep this. Let's delete this. You know, um, 
you know, like, what can you explain to me in your own words what your research is, what your idea is? Okay, let's figure that out. So that was, that was like one thing that I was able to do. But the other thing was just to say, look, you know, I received immense amount of help on my application. Like, I sent you what I had submitted, but that is after like three years of honing this application, as well as like five, five to ten people's comments. Yeah. And some of those people being senior and putting in hours themselves into helping me. And I think that maybe helped a little bit, just knowing that... Yeah, that was that a good thing. When, on that day, when, when we were going through it, and, and you, you calmed me down with saying, look, this is your first application. Just accept the fact that it's not going to be to your standards and, and what, the, you know, what you want it to be. Yeah. Just accept that it, it might be bad in your, in your view, but this is your first application, and the next time we're going to improve it. Yeah. For now, we just need to get the structure right and, and, and get and it submittable. Get yeah. it submittable. <laughs> yeah. Complete English sentences. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Doesn't matter how it's said. Don't think about the yeah. wording. It's like okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, let's do it. And right. I, I was at such a level of desperation that I was just taking your word for it. And like, yeah, yes, let's other, do it. Okay, the other okay. thing you took my word on is, as I said, there's something here that's worth submitting. We'll yeah. get it there. Yeah. I was like, I could see the timeline. I'm like, it's going to be tight. We're going to get it. I mean, yeah. I think you submitted it at like 11 p.m., right? <laughs> you know? Also, you said, that I'm not hanging up the phone until there's a submittable, ready-to-go version. Right. And you're not allowed to, to change any of the wordings because you'll just sabotage it again. Right. Because yeah. I would just break up the sentences again yeah. and say, oh, this doesn't sound quite right yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this can be said better, but then... No. Yeah, you were like, editing we, things that were eighty percent done. Yeah, is how I felt. Like we had parts of the the, the application that were like eighty percent good, and there were parts that were just not that were missing. And yeah. I'm like we need to focus all of the attention on the <laughs> missing parts, and the eighty percent good is just good. We need yeah. to let that go. Yeah, <laughs> that's like that's going to be submitted. It's fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the, that was helpful. And I think you said you started coming down. I think at the point when I said we'll have something submittable. There's enough here to have something submittable. Yeah. This will get done. You know, and you're like, okay. I could, I could breathe again. <laughs> yeah. <a little> <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then I remember the other thing we were, we were going through because it was on a Google Doc, so I could see you editing parts that <laughs> were already done, and I'm like, Anouk, you got it. <laughs> I don't want you to touch that part again. I, like, forbid you. You know, I can't remember. I had a commitment. I had to, like, do something else for an hour. I'm like, I don't even want you to look at that. When I come back, you know, just, just work on this part. And, and then what, what happened? I think I, at some point I was like, read, read what we have. Like, stop editing. Because you were trying to read, but you kept editing. Yeah, I think you told me to uh, compare all the, the repeated paragraphs. Because there were, there were yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some, some paragraphs were repeated like five times in yeah. a slightly different wording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just say, okay, it doesn't matter how it's worded. Just uh, put them all together and then... And, Let's and go through which one's best. Yeah, and then... Yeah, but I remember near the end, you still were like, oh, but it's not here yet. I'm like, no, I see it. You know, I was like, there's a draft here. Yeah. And and I made you just read it through, and you're like, oh. Yes. I see yeah. it now. Because yeah. <laughs> I remember you on the phone, you were like, oh, it's there. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's there. You know, we're, we're getting there. You know? <laughs> it was so yeah, funny. at some point, I could see the structure again. Yeah. And I still felt like we were repeating uh, lots of things I felt like I was saying the same thing over right. and over again. Right. But then uh, you read it a week later. You but said, yeah, I yeah. Le- so after submitting, I, f- I, f- I felt, well, obviously relieved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And extremely grateful to you, Sarah, <laughs> that you helped me through that and that I had something submitted. 
the next day you told me like stay home yeah. take this self care day and just yeah. focus on on you know calming down and yeah, do yeah. some mental health uh, yeah breathing exercise take a walk yeah, and do something yeah. for yourself and I did good yeah. and I uh, told my boss I wasn't coming in yeah, yeah, <laughs> to good. celebrate uh, submitting the application yeah. uh, and. Yeah, I left it alone for a week, but I felt still pretty stressed and just mm-hmm. nervous about what, you know, uh, what was coming up next in the, in the next few months and insecure about whether I should stay in academia or not. But I left it alone for a week and I already uh, heard back from, uh, or in the same week from yeah. from the selection committee, uh, because it's my my own colleagues, obviously, yeah. that I was not selected or not, I didn't make it to the final um, yeah. Um, shortlist but I did make it to the top 10 yeah which was a relief at the time because yeah. I was fearing the interview a lot yeah uh, then I left it alone for another few days and read read it again and then I was like whoa that 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 actually reads all right <laughs> so it was such a complete shift in how how I was how I read yeah. it in that period of complete and utter anxiety right I just couldn't see what I was writing. Yeah, you were missing the forest for the trees, so to speak. You were focused just on had no, yeah. yeah, I just I thought it was just I was just so convinced that everything I wrote was bad. Yeah. And I sort of had these feelings before during the end in the end of my PhD. I couldn't mm-hmm. quite see what I was writing and I was just mm-hmm. so convinced that none of my sentences made any sense and mm-hmm. that it was not proper English mm-hmm. uh, as a non native English speaker. Yeah. And, and and then you read it back a week later and it's hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to trust you, Sarah. <laughs> when you you told me, no, this is this is good. This is uh, this is all right. I was like, no, it's it's awful. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no, it was it was and it was good. And not only were you in the top ten, it was down basically. You were like within one spot of getting on that shortlist yeah. because you heard later that it was just down to you and one other person. Yeah, and that other person had a bit of fellowship. Had a fellowship and a bit broader, a little more senior, a little broader of a research area yeah. and that's and that's why it was but they really thought your application was competitive and and good and strong yeah. and and your uh your current postdoc supervisor read it right and was yeah. like yeah my uh, my boss read it and and he knew i was struggling uh in the application or during the application and writing it and that I was convinced that it was awful, and he, and he reassured me, no, it was really good. <laughs> and I just didn't believe him at all. Yeah. But he said, no, we were, you literally made it to the end of the of the, yeah. the pile, and, and, and there were discussions of whether it was you or yeah. this other person that was going to be interviewed. Yeah. And it came down to just Another a fellowship thing. of yeah. um, slightly more funding. Yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, you were there, and it was competitive. And that was a first stab done in the last hour, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whereas now like taking that, I think once you have an application that you've done, making it better is much easier than looking at a blank page, you know. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you're not there yet. I can tell you it is. It is much, much easier. And even because every year, because you kind of brush up your application in academia like roughly once a year, right? Yeah. And every year, it'll get better, like much stronger. It'll get more, more, more fleshed out, more of the independent ideas yeah. there. And, and just getting through that first hurdle can be really hard. And having, 
I think it's important to get people who are sim of a similar uh, level to you and maybe a little senior because often those are the people that can a like empathize the most with your situation and and can will dedicate that time you know uh, to help and and they've written recent applications and and whatnot and so that can be really helpful and it's not that like I, I benefited from a senior person reading my application and providing a lot of feedback as well but most of my feedback has come from slightly more senior postdocs or junior faculty you know to me um, that I know and that they've read through and kind of have provided a lot of the structure, you know, that makes it flow. And I think we're not um, taught that, like how to properly motivate, like kind of say, you know, this is the broad, this is where we are in the field and this is why this topic is interesting. However, there exists this problem. My research can uniquely, I uniquely tackle this by this, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of setting up that just very logical structure of, you know, motivation, problem, mm -hmm my research solutions yeah and 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 that structure is really useful and you can see it when you read other people's but it's hard still when you do your own to set it up for whatever reason i don't know why that yeah, is absolutely <laughs> but i had this with another friend i helped another friend with uh, his post postdoc fellowship application this week and and he likewise had never had any feedback his his phd supervisor didn't read his application and, and it just was missing that sort of, here's the motivation. I, I think he just assumed everyone would naturally understand the motivation rather than walking, walking people through it. And then he would set up the problem without saying what he was going to do to address it. Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of having like me reading through it and being like, you need to motivate this. And you can't leave us hanging with the problem. Because I think he just, he was just, it was kind of like dot, dot, dot. He was just assuming that that was enough for the reader to be like, oh, and then you're going to do that, you know. But yeah. you have to really handhold kind of someone through. Jumping straight into the problem. The process, saying. yeah. And so, and like setting it up kind of, and it's also kind of like, you tell them what you're going to do, then you tell them again, and then you summarize by telling them what you're going to do. You know, you have your intro that's kind of shortly stated, your research proposal where it's more detailed stated and like kind of the, more fleshed out, and then you have some summary of that, you know. Um, and this is where it can feel repetitive, but, you know, if you're reading, I don't know how many applications, you want to have an idea of, like, these are the main things. This is the take-home message. Whereas yeah. if you only have just the technical jargony bit to the research proposal, a reader who's slightly outside of that field is going to be like, what? You know, I don't even know what they're trying to do. So you need to have yeah, it, like, kind really of at those important. three levels, you know. That from or that the selection committee what the, or the, what the university wants obviously is someone that brings in a really new exciting mm -hmm. field of, of research and that has to come through quite clearly but when you as a researcher yourself you're just so deep into your little yeah, area sure. of expertise that it's so hard to just make that the, you see the bigger the bigger uh, impact of that yeah. research yeah. and that, that yeah that's where I got stuck as well or yeah. Well, you had a lot of the motivations, I feel. Like, yeah. that was where you were good. You know, you had set up the motivation. It was yeah. just then, like, following it through. Because you had, like you said, you were kind of repeating things because you were getting stressed out about it and didn't want to handle parts of it, you know. And so then putting it kind of all in just to cohesive narrative was, like... Yeah, I think I was, was just trying to sell it really big because I yeah. felt like I had to because I was applying for, uh, for a, a faculty job which was slightly off... Yeah. topic but 
um, at the, uh, an area that I just entered really. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was trying to sell myself as that mm. type of geologist, even though I was much more mm. of a specific mm-hmm. in this area. So you try to sell yourself as something you feel you are not. Yeah, yeah. And then you try to frame your current yeah. research into that sort of um, yeah. area. But it, it felt uncomfortable. It didn't feel yeah. like me. Yeah. And then I got stuck into how to, in how, explaining my, my past research rather yeah. than focusing on what right. I was going to do. Well, and that's the anxiety part, yeah. right? Because you felt comfortable talking about your past research, yeah. so you kept editing that part. Yeah. You were very scared about the future research, yeah. and yeah. this is where that I was, was like... was just empty page. Yeah, I was like, the past research is done. Like, we yeah. can submit this, like, yesterday. Yeah. You know, we need to do this part. Um, but what... So, moving on to, like, then... You, because we, we talked at the, like, you know, after you submitted at like 11 o'clock or whatever, I can't remember, we, we Skyped one more time and, and we were like, okay, what, what to do for the next few days? Like how to get back to baseline? What was helpful for you in that? Like what, what steps did you take and, and what resonated with you on like how to come down from this immensely stressful experience? Because I feel like in a, in a high stress stakes thing, sometimes like an application, Sure, it's ideal. In our ideal perfect world, you would have the application done in advance, and it wouldn't cause you anxiety. But that's yeah. not how we are. <laughs> like we're we're human. We delay things. We procrastinate, even when we know we shouldn't. And we get to these points. So sometimes you just need to push through to the end, which is what I felt like happened that day. It was just like let's yeah. let's let's limp over the finish line. <laughs> you know, this isn't going to be, you know, a perfect application, but it's, it's going to be submittable, and you're not going to be. You're not going to have to feel embarrassed about it. It's going to be good. Which it was. We, we found objective feedback that this application was very competitive. But then the question is, okay, how do you handle the next week? Because you've just come from this incredibly anxious position. So what, yeah. so what things? Yeah, so initially, the, the, uh, so after submitting, I felt the relief, obviously, of, of getting, it in, getting it submitted. Uh, then in, in Immediately came the feelings of shame, mm. and and it was helpful that we t- we talked about this, because yeah. I I, f- I felt ashamed about the fact that I I experienced such anxiety for yeah. a seemingly small task of applying for a job, which is a big task. Let's just be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. A really big. Other task. people say, oh, what's what was the problem? Why did you get so nervous about it? I said, I don't I don't know. I don't understand. I didn't. I think I didn't even want the job necessarily. It was just the the whole. Process of getting that research statement together, yeah, uh, which comes down to the much bigger problems of, of yeah. um, not knowing where you want to go with your yeah. research, of thinking that you don't know what you where you want to go with research. But anyway, so the 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 shame yeah that came with that, uh, I tried to let it go and say no, just focus on something else for the next few days mm-hmm. and um, try to get help. Um, so I, I, I'll need to address these, these feelings of anxiety and insecurity mm-hmm. and, and, and also recognize that all of these, these feelings come from uh, well, a train of, of thought that mm-hmm. are not real. Yeah. I, know, I know I can do these things, but somehow I've convinced myself I can't. <laughs> yeah. um, so in the next few days, I, I, I did what you told me to do, really, to focus on... on Doing something that I uh, I love, just yeah. uh, or go outside, yeah. relax, talk to uh, friends about yeah. it. Um, I called my brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said you had a really good conversation. Yeah, yeah. I had one of the best conversations ever with my with my good. brother. I think who was yeah. uh, having some mental mental uh, problems as well. 
experience, mm. experiencing a depression and, and I never really felt like I could connect with him. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, made a doctor appointment mm -hmm. to uh, ask for ther therapy, I mm -hmm. think. Uh, in the next few months I will have to apply for a lot more jobs and mm -hmm. I think um, I should discuss these things yeah. with someone professional and there's yeah well, I've reached out to other friends yeah. who I know have been uh, you know been in therapy and yeah yeah we're a big uh, fan of therapy <laughs> in this podcast we're a big fan of therapy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so other friends who said yeah I yeah I, th I think it's a really good idea if you talk to someone and mm -hmm. that sort of calmed me down a little bit but mm -hmm. yeah I'm still I'm still struggling a little bit yeah, yeah, but things are a little, the grass is a little greener, right? Um, yeah, well, the fact that I can talk to you about it now without bursting into tears. <laughs> I know, this isn't that long ago, right? This is, we're talking it's two weeks. Yeah, we're fresh right out of the trenches, yeah, listeners. Two weeks. Like, this, is very, <laughs> this is very recent. Uh, normally, we process these things on the podcast much later, but I was visiting and we decided to do it today. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think you did absolutely the right things, like uh, medication, going, getting therapy, going, taking care of self, you know, doing things outside. These are all strategies we can implement, you know, in times of distress and reaching out for them, you know, I think is really important because sometimes we can feel when we're depressed or in a state of anxiety that nothing can help. Yeah. You know, there is no one who could understand nothing can help or I'm just uniquely bad at this, so therefore I should leave, you know, <laughs> rather than darken the doorstep of academia again. Yeah. Uh, whereas there are lots of avenues for for coming out of it, and it can be hard sometimes to reach out for them. So I was really glad that you that you made that appointment and also just took some a few days, like three days, right? Because you had the weekend too. Yeah, to I just took the Friday off and the weekend to yeah go for walks and yeah enjoy Scotland. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and then came back to work on Monday. Being a little fragile, but but yeah, I've also done, I was quite open about it to other yeah. colleagues as well, and and, and all the, the PhDs here and postdocs mm -hmm. have been extremely supportive. Uh, it's actually been <laughs> quite amazing how how much help mm -hmm. I've received from from all friends and colleagues, and mm -hmm. um, and I think we all need to support each other in this because yeah, you just, sometimes you just go through phases of. I mean, academia can yeah. be stressful, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, in moments of clarity, and I look back on it now, and I don't understand why why it gave me such anxiety, and why why was it so difficult to write these things down? Mm. Yeah, it's I don't. Uh, it is amazing. I I've been meditating more, and and sometimes just recognizing how these thought processes kind of run amok, like trying to distance yourself from the fact that your thoughts just because they're in our head doesn't mean they're true that's like a really hard thing to recognize I feel mm. because we think things and we think we've like reasoned them more carefully than an outside objective person yeah. right but then we know friends who will sometimes you know be too hard on themselves or in a shame spiral or an anxiety spiral and we can see it clearly that other people have thought processes running amok that are not necessarily reflective of reality in themselves but when it's in our own brain it feels so much more so real, much more real yeah. yeah and it can yeah. be so hard to say you know to change that narrative from I'm not enough to I, I'm okay you know I'm doing 
like every you know I'm doing well in what I'm doing and and you know to recognize like yeah that imposter to combat that imposter narrative that says you're never enough because it's there so strongly that it really doesn't matter what you do you know yeah you could win the Nobel Prize and, <laughs> and you still have that narrative right because of some other thing that you've rationalized as this is why you're uniquely yeah but so many people helped me do this yeah. I didn't do this by myself exactly I, mean, I didn't deserve this at all right, right. And those things are yeah. true for so many people, and I think that's why sharing our stories are important, but also trying to recognize that our thoughts are not necessarily reflective of reality, and that we can sometimes, yeah, be, um, be in a complete thought spiral, you know. And one thing I found, I can't remember if I mentioned this to you, but one meditation I find really helpful on this is like when in, when in full anxiety mode, there's this, um, like, conveyor belt meditation. Did we talk about that? Yeah, we talked about that briefly. Yeah. yeah. So when I've been in my high state... First, the first suggestion you said. Yeah. Um, you said, go for a walk now. I'm going to read through your application. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just recognize that every thought that comes into your mind of... Is, yeah. yeah. Every negative yeah. thought is uh, the, the cognitive distortions that yeah. you shared. Yeah. yeah. Put them on... <laughs> sort them out yeah. and put... And, yeah. Put them aside. Yeah, like, so the, the meditation is basically, like, watch your thoughts as they're coming, as if they're coming on a conveyor belt towards your brain, and then when you have them, just label them into a certain bucket, like, oh, that's a anxiety thought, that's a judgment thought, that's a, you know, um, I'm not good enough thought, that's a, you know, a, a catastrophizing thought, and just label them, and you're not trying to stop them or change them, they're coming, because when you're in a wave of anxiety... The thoughts mm. are not going to stop. You no. know? Like, no. that's, not what, like, that's not what you can reach for. But you can reach for trying to take one step back and just label these thoughts. And that can kind of calm the, you know, the, the waves from crashing over your head to just barely treading water, I feel. Yeah. You know? And then that's like the first step to trying to, to navigate out of it. But yeah, that's, that's one meditation I really do, do like in times of high stress is the conveyor belt meditation. Because I have to practice that a little bit more. <laughs> it's hard. But it, it, it's yeah, hard. By reading about the, the thoughts that, uh, or the cognitive distortion. Yeah. That it was just so recognizable. Every, I could tick every box of the, of the list that you sent me. Oh, yeah, of, right. Of, of yeah, from our podcast. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And just recognizing that those thoughts are universal and people, yeah. everyone experiences that when they go through anxiety, uh, no matter if it's about yeah. jobs or, yeah. or I don't know, sports yeah. or anything, anything in life, relationships, whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, money, yeah, yeah, anything. Uh, they're universal thoughts and, and if you, if you learn to recognize those, you can just put them aside yeah. and yeah, they're not... They're only trying to sabotage you. <laughs> yeah, they're thought events. They're not necessarily true thoughts. No. Which is really hard to to recognize that our thoughts are not necessarily true. You know. Yeah. Because again, for when what for whatever reason when they're like when they're in someone else's head, I give them like a whatever a thirty percent ranking or whatever. But when they're in my head, it's like ninety nine percent true. Yeah. <laughs> <this is> true. <laughs> it's like, and that's just not you know. You don't understand. I'm really not good enough for this yeah, job. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you all of the reasons that I have rationalized for this. Yeah. So well, I think that's about it for the the podcast um, mm -hmm. episode. Thank you so much for for sharing your story. Well, thank you for helping me out through this quite stressful yeah, no period. 
Is, is there any way, um, you have a website, if people want to go and learn more about your research, what's, what's I your I have website? a website, it's my full name, anoukborst.com. Yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on with uh, Self Care with Dr. Sarah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.